Effective Living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Lord, you made I'll be teaching on what I titled Experiencing the Grace of God. Experiencing the Grace of God. I want us to begin from 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. It's a scripture we are all very, 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 very used to. We quote it almost every day. We call it the grace. Everybody say the grace. Amen. It says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. This very scripture was written by Apostle Paul. Throughout the month, we'll be looking at a lot of things that Apostle Paul taught about the grace of God. By the way, I want to say today that the apostle that was most accused, condemned, persecuted, most was Apostle Paul. Most of the time, they stone him till they want to kill him. Do you know why? Because he was preaching the grace. And the Jews believed in the law. And anytime you bring grace face to face to the law, the result is that the law will revolt. Are you understanding? That is why even up today, if there's any teaching that is suffering persecution, even in our time, it is the message of grace. Hallelujah. All right. So, Apostle Paul said the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus is the one that brought grace. Amen. The Father gave us his love. The Son gave us grace. And the Holy Spirit gave us his fellowship. And this is one of the scriptures that you see the Trinity there. The Father gave us his love. Everybody say love. The Son gave us grace. And the Holy Spirit gave us his communion. If you look at this, you will see that this whole scripture is talking about the grace of God. Now, when we talk about grace, we are talking about Jesus himself. Jesus Christ is the grace of God in person. One day in my studies about the grace, I said, why is it that Jesus never taught once? About grace. When you read the four gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will not see Jesus talk about a lot of things. He talked about forgiveness, talked about giving, talked about prayer, talked about fasting. Have you ever wondered? Jesus never taught about grace before. You know why he never thought about it? Because he himself was great. He's a grace. So when you meet him, you're supposed to understand that you have met what? The grace of God. John 1 14 said something. He said, And the word became flesh. Who is he talking about? Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. I can't hear you shout Jesus. The word became flesh and what? Dwelt among us and we saw his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of what? Grace and truth. So Jesus was the word that became what? Flesh and came to live amongst the people. He's talking about the time he lived as a human being among them. And when they saw his glory, the glory that they saw was the glory of the only begotten son that was full of grace and what? Truths. Amen. So John said, when we met Jesus, we saw the glory of God manifesting as the fullness of grace and truth. Verse 15 said, John bore witness. He's talking about John the Baptist, the prophet. 
John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Verse 16. And of his fullness, somebody say his fullness. Of his fullness. Whose fullness? Jesus' fullness. Of his fullness, we have all received what? Grace for grace. In fact, some Bible versions say grace upon grace. In fact, if you read the Greek, it's it's right to say, of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. Of his fullness we have received. So when we receive Jesus, one of the things we should understand that we have received is what? Grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. In other words, unstoppable grace. Somebody say the grace of God is upon my life. Oh, I can't hear you. Say the grace of God is upon my life. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Of his fullness, we have received grace upon grace. The next verse says that, for the law was given through who? Moses. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So John said, the law was given through Moses. The law was given. Somebody say given. So the law was a gift. Hello? The law was a gift. Now, you can give a gift to somebody without yourself going. Is that true? So I can say to Frank, take this water and give it to your wife. Hallelujah. All right. What have I done? I didn't go myself. I gave it. So when God wanted to give the law to Israel, he gave it through Moses. Amen. But look at what is, is that but? Somebody say but. Now, you see, in the Greek language, anytime the word but is used, it suggests a contrast to the initial statement. So it is as if something happened, but then another thing happened that is different or directly contrary to what happened earlier. He said, the law was given to Moses, but grace and truth came. You know, when, when God wanted to give Israel the law, he, he gave them through Moses. Hallelujah. A prophet. But when God wanted to bring grace, he himself came. That's what the scripture meant. He came by himself, which is superior. God coming by himself. Grace is God coming by himself to man. The law is God sending coded instructions to people to observe in order to please him. Hallelujah. So this scripture means that Jesus did not bring the law. Jesus did not bring law to mankind. Jesus came as grace and truth. Amen. That means that the actual truth today is Jesus himself. That is why he said, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He was talking about himself. That when you come to understand and know who Jesus truly is to you as your savior, you'll be free for life. The next verse said, he that the son shall set free shall be free indeed. He was talking about himself. So you see that Jesus brought grace. And before he brought the grace, the law was existing. Before Jesus brought the grace, the law existed. So when Jesus came, even though he never taught about the grace, he spoke about the law. And this is what he said in Matthew 5, 19. He said, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. Because that is what people fought Jesus for. I want to say today that the people who fought Jesus most were the Pharisees. And do you know what the Pharisees? They were people who upheld the law to the letter. 
They were the ones who said, he's not a son of God. In fact, they were the ones who dragged him to Pilate's court and said, kill him. They were the Pharisees. They were the strong advocates of the laws of Moses. That by the laws of Moses, people can please God and serve God and be called godly. The Pharisees kept the law to the letter. They don't even shake hands with sinners because they don't want to become sinful. They wore only white like I'm wearing now, except that I'm wearing black shoes. Praise the Lord. But they wear white from the head to the toe. And, and they isolate themselves like the monks do now. You know monks. Yeah, very holy people. They don't mingle among people because they don't want to be contaminated with sin. And it is these people who hated Jesus when he was alive. They fought him. Jesus had big crowds following him. Who were the crowds? It was the sinners. The ordinary people who don't know the law, when they saw Jesus, they saw the love of God. They saw his power. Like John said, we saw his glory. They ran after him, but the Pharisees, they said, no, this is not the son of God. The son of God cannot heal on the Sabbath because the law says nobody should work on the Sabbath. Yeah, they hated him. And today, up to today, the only people who hate the message of grace are people who ignorantly are still stuck to the law. Even though the Bible said, the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So Jesus himself knew the situation long before I came to know. Hallelujah. He said, do not think that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to who? Amen. I did not come to destroy the law, but to do all. Fulfill it. What does it mean to fulfill something? Hallelujah. Can we do some English here? What does it mean to fulfill something? Let's say a promise. When a promise is fulfilled, what does it mean? Does it suggest it has expired? When a promise has been fulfilled, what does it mean? Honored. So it means what? Is it still a promise? If a promise has been fulfilled, is this still a promise? So does it not suggest it has expired? I thought if it, if it is no more a promise, it has expired. No, I promise you that I'm going to give you this amount of money after church. You look up to it, isn't it? You hold on to it. You pray that God, let it come to pass. Let it come to pass. Now after church, I gave you the money. Do you still hold on to it? Do you still keep that promise? Do you still remind me about that promise? Hallelujah. Jesus said, I came to fulfill the law. I did not come to destroy it. Because if Jesus came to destroy the law, then it will mean that he has rebelled against the Father. Because the law was given by God. So the Son of God cannot come and destroy something that was given by God. Are you understanding me? Yeah. So Jesus was part of the Godhead when the law was given. So he cannot come and destroy. He said, don't think that I came. Because the people were behaving as if he came to come, just come and break their laws. But he said, I did not come to destroy. I came to fulfill it. In other words, I came to make sure all his requirements are met so that we will, we will move on to something else. I came to bring the law to the place where it will expire in power and effect so that people can look beyond the law to a higher experience. Let's, let's read verse 18. Verse 18, it said, Why shall I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or, or one title will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. 
Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called what? Least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 20. Look at verse 20. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow. This is the big problem. This is the big problem. Jesus said, you see the Pharisees, they are very holy people, but for you to make it to heaven, your righteousness must be higher than that of the monks, the Pharisees. Yeah, that is Jesus. Have you, have you seen it? Is it possible for us to have a righteousness that is higher than that of the Pharisees? Is it possible? Is it possible? No. I mean, by our strength, by our effort. Is it possible? Then, like, we won't go to work. You won't greet your boss. You won't talk to anybody. You just isolate yourself somewhere in the name of being righteous. Yeah, like some of you will not be in church now. Because under the law, even if you're in your menses, you can't come to the temple. Oh, yeah. And if you're wearing white, morning, afternoon, evening, night, white. So Jesus was trying to say that with your human effort, you can never, ever, ever attain the righteousness of God. As much as it is not possible to have a righteousness higher than that of the Pharisees, you cannot, by your human efforts, have a righteousness that will please God. That's what Jesus was saying. So why was Jesus saying this? Jesus was trying to say, there is a better way to become righteous than what the Pharisees were doing. There is a better way to become righteous than what the Pharisees were doing. So this is what Jesus said. Jesus said, this is what I mean, that your righteousness should be higher than that of the Pharisees. This is what I mean. What I mean is that the Pharisees don't commit adultery and they don't fornicate. But for you, for your righteousness to be higher than that of the Pharisees, even when you look at a lady and you lust after her, you have already committed. Which man can say he's above that? Stand up, bold. <laughs> Jesus said, Pharisees don't commit murder. They don't kill. But I tell you, even when you hate people, it's murder. Because murder begins from hatred. So Jesus said, the righteousness of the Pharisees, it is on the surface, but it did not deal with the roots. So Jesus said, I came to introduce a higher dimension of righteousness that is not only surface, it is not only what we see on the outward, but it deals with the heart, the roots. So you see, grace is a better form of godliness than law. If you understand grace, you realize that it is a higher level of relationship with God than practicing the law. The grace preaching, condones sin, endorses sin. No, 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 no. It's a higher form of upright living. Amen. Because it takes away all your hypocrisy. Because you can point your finger at someone and say, oh, don't mind that guy. He's uh, an adulterer. But grace will tell you, what about you? You are not any different. You see? Hallelujah. Grace will tell you, you are not any different. Only you have not been caught yet. And some of you may never be caught. But you know that you know that looking at a lady or a man, for that matter, because the ladies are not exempted from that. Looking at a man to last after the man is adultery. Hallelujah. So Jesus said, it is not enough to say, I don't do this, I don't do that, I don't do that. That is not righteousness. Hallelujah. I came to fulfill the law. I came to bring something higher. The Pharisees, if they had understood this, they should have put the law aside and received Jesus. That's what the Bible said. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. You know why they did not receive him? Because they were holding on to the law. He said, but as many as received him, he gave them power to become children of God. Let's 
look at why God gave the law to Israel. Galatians 3.19. What purpose then does the law serve? Is that not a good question? What is the purpose of the law? If we know the purpose of the law, then we can decide what to do with it, isn't it? Yeah, because when purpose is not known, what happens? Abuse is inevitable, according to the late Miles Moore. My, my opinion is that the law has become a problem in the church because we don't, know its, we don't even know its purpose. But today, we have the privilege of knowing because right there, in black and white. What does it say? It was added because of what? Transgression. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Read on. Is the law then against the promise of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly, righteousness would have been by what? The law. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to all those who believe. I'm sure some of you are wondering what's all this long talk about. Don't worry, you get to understand it from the next verse. But before faith came, somebody said before faith came, we were kept under God by the law. So before faith came, when you say before faith, what is he talking about? Before Jesus came, because as for Jesus, he said, as many as what receive him and believe in him, they were given the right to become children of God. Amen. But before Jesus came, that we have faith in him, we were what? Kept under God by the law. So the law was our God. Hello? Kept for the faith which will afterward be revealed. So before faith came, we were kept by the law, awaiting the real thing that must come, the real substance. Therefore, the law was our tutor. Who is a tutor? A teacher, oh? A teacher. So the law was to teach us Christ. Hallelujah. Our tutor to bring us to who? To Christ. So the purpose of the law actually is to bring us to the Savior. I will explain that. That we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. So what is the purpose of the law? The law was our teacher. It's like a signboard, a directional sign, and destination. The directional sign is important, isn't it? It helps you to get to where you are going faster. So God had a plan of bringing a savior to save the whole world. John 1, 29, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin one sin, one sin of the whole world. Jesus came to take away the sin of the world. That means past, present, and future. All the sin of the world. And which sin is he talking about? The sin that Adam committed. Because it is that Adam's sin that made you and I sinners. It's that Adam's sin that brought sin into the world. God had a plan of bringing the Savior into the world. But before the Savior comes, he sent somebody else. That is the law. That will help us to see the value of salvation. It may still not make sense, but give me 1 Corinthians 15, 56. 1 Corinthians 15, 56. Look at this. It says, the stink of death is what? Sin. 
And the strength of sin is what? The strength of sin is what? The strength of sin is what? You know what this scripture means? It means that the law made us realize that we are sinners. Hallelujah. Because if sin was not there, we will not even see the need for a savior. And so Jesus will come and die, and people will not even see the value for it. So God sent the law so that everybody is, how can I obey this law? How, give me James 2.10. How can I obey this commandment? Oh, it's difficult. Oh, before you, you obey this one, you are broken the other one. Before you do this, and this is the, the terrible one. Look at it. He said, for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he's guilty of all. Wow. So you see, the law is like the evil forest. You don't know how to get out. Once you enter, you want to desperately come out. And that is the plight of religious people. Religious people really, really want to live godly, but they just, in their sincerest heart, they just know that. You, you feel so wretched. There's, like, there's little thing you do, you feel so bad. You feel so wretched. You feel so horrible. But you are trying. You are trying, and you try the whole week. As for this week, oh, done well. Before you realize, this scripture is knocking at your door. So the law was to reveal sin in us so that we can look for the Savior. This is what the angel said to Mary. He said, when you give birth to a baby boy, you shall call his name Jesus. The word Jesus is a Greek word which means Savior. In the Hebrew is Yeshua, which after which got Joshua. That is why Moses did not take the children of Israel to the promised land. It was Joshua who took him. The name Joshua means Savior. The name Joshua is the Hebrew of Jesus. The Hebrew is Yeshua, okay? The Greek is Jesus, Savior. Jesus was coming to save the world from sin. But what is sin? What is sin? It is the law that tells what a sin is. It is like 10 years ago, there was no law in Ghana that when you are driving, you can't talk on phone. So you couldn't be arrested. But now you, will be arrest you can be arrested. You can be because the law came into existence, and what didn't used to be wrong is now wrong, punishable by law. Are you understanding? The law reveals sin. Hallelujah. The law didn't come to save people from sin. It came to reveal sin. Only Jesus can save people from sin. And when we talk about Jesus, then we talk about the grace of God. Because you can't separate grace from Jesus. You can't separate Christ from grace. It's all the same. Jesus is the grace of God in person. When you meet him, you've met grace. If it's in your life, grace must manifest in your life. Hello? So the purpose of the law is to do what? Reveal sin so that people can value the blood that was shed. So one day Jesus was teaching the disciples, John chapter 13, verse 34. Listen to Jesus teaching the disciples. He said, a new commandment I give to you. Does this suggest that he was pushing to the backside the, an old com commandment. There was an old commandment, isn't it? That one the Pharisees were holding on to. We call it the Ten Commandments. There is a righteousness that is higher than the Ten Commandments. This, this is Jesus. He said, a new commandment I am giving to you that you do what? Love one another. As, as what? Love you. That you also love what? One another. The next verse. By this will all know that you are my disciples. Do you know people, preachers have changed this? For, the, for you to be a true disciple of Christ, they have changed it. They will tell you other things you should do. Even yourself. When somebody comes to you and says, how can I be a true disciple of Christ? What will you tell him? Don't sin, isn't it? Don't sin. That would be a immediate thing. But Jesus never preached that. He said, if you are my true disciples, 
There's only one way people will know. Huh? And what is, that? what is that? You love people. I have come to realize that there are many religious people who practice the law, but they, they don't love anybody. Haven't you seen some before? Oh, yeah. They don't love people. They can't even shake hands with people in the church because they think they are too holier than them, isn't it? They can't talk with some people because they think they are not in their class. Oh, me, I know the Bible. I'm not, I don't mingle with all these small, small boys. That's a Pharisee spirit. Turn to the and tell her, I know you don't have that spirit. <laughs> there are people who are judgmental. They condemn people. They criticize people. But Jesus said, if you are my true disciples, there is a new commandment. You must love one another. By the way, will you commit adultery if you truly love your wife? Will you do that? No. But if you don't truly love your wife and you are sure she won't catch you, will you commit? I know nobody will say yes. <laughs> Listen, every adulterer does not truly love his wife. Because if you truly love your wife, it will not be an issue of is she there or she is not there. <laughs> Amen. It will not be an issue of is pastor there or pastor is not there. It will not be an issue of will they catch me or they will not catch me. Hallelujah. If you truly love your neighbor, you won't steal his phone when he leaves it in church. Jesus said the new commandment is what? Love one another as what? As I have loved you. Do you know that that statement means that you can never truly love people until you first understand the love Jesus has for you. Amen. Listen. If you come to understand the love that Jesus has for you, you will love people. Listen, in the law, there is no word like forgiveness. It is an eye for an eye. If you remove my eye, I will remove yours. And the law will say, praise the Lord. Yeah. If you break my one leg, the law says, I must break your leg. And the law will say, glory to God. But a higher level of, of godliness has come, which is the grace of God. He said, the new commandment, love one another as I have loved you. That's why Jesus said, forgive one another. In the Old Testament, there was no forgiveness. Only two people forgave in the Old Testament. David forgave Saul. Joseph forgave his brothers. That's why the two of them were very great. Because somewhere, somehow, they bought into the new covenant. And the grace turned their lives around. Saul was looking for David to kill. David found him sleeping. David said, I won't touch him. I forgive him. You wanted to kill me, but I'm, I will show you that I'm better than you. When Saul woke up, Saul said, David, my son, you are a better man than I am. <laughs> Let's go to the book of Romans 5, 8. What is grace? What is grace? What is grace? Grace is the full manifestation of the love of God towards mankind. The fullness. Listen, before Jesus came, God couldn't love people fully because of sin. Hallelujah. Bible says sin brought hatred between God and men. So... The only way to appease that hatred was the law. So God gave them law, 613. Hallelujah. And you know what happened when they break the law? They died in thousands. God himself will make sure they die. Read the, read the Old Testament. Read the life of the Israelites. When they turn their back to God, they die in thousands. Hallelujah. Because sin brought hatred. So Jesus came to take that sin away so that the flood of the love of God will flow to mankind, of all race and tongue and language and people. Remember, the law was not to the world. The law was only to one nation, Israel. So in the Old Testament, only the Israelites made a claim on God. In fact, 
You cannot enter the temple in Israel if you are not a Jew. They will stone you to death. Because they believe that they were the only sole owners of God. God didn't give the law to the world. He didn't give the law to Ghanaians. That's my argument. No, he gave it to a nation. He made a covenant with a nation on Mount Sinai. The Hebrew said, we have not come to Mount Sinai. We have come to Mount Zion. Where the blood of sprinkling is speaking. Because on Mount Sinai, God dealt with one nation and gave them laws out of which the Savior will come. That's why Jesus came through the lineage of Israel. Because that's where the law existed. Grace is the full manifestation of the love of God towards mankind. Listen, the love of God that is flowing to mankind today is a thousand times greater than what Israel experienced in the Old Testament. Hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.